Principal Matters Podcast, episode 299. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you innovative, inspiring, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This year, we're talking about a second year in administration with my special guest, DJ Klein. DJ Klein is the assistant principal at Ocean Springs High School in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. And he's just finished his second year as an assistant principal. And for those of you that are frequent Principal Matters listeners, you're going to recognize DJ's name because DJ and I have been doing a series since June of 2020 when he first reached out to me after his first assignment as an assistant principal. And in Principal Matters episode 197, we did an entire conversation about 10 expectations that he should have going into that school year. And then a year later, July 14th of 2021, we recorded Principal Matters episode 253, where DJ shared the lessons that he himself had applied after or during that first year of school administration. And here we are again, episode 299, DJ Klein. Welcome back to Principal Matters Podcast. Why don't you fill in the gaps since we've seen you before? And then we're going to jump into 10 specific lessons that you wanted to share with listeners about what it feels like after you've wrapped up that second year in school admin. Absolutely, Will. I just first just want to again say uh, thank you for this opportunity to join you for a uh, third time to be featured here on the Principal Matters podcast. And um, when I started uh, listening to the podcast when I was a teacher, I mean, I got so many good just uh, nuggets of wisdom, you know, uh, from not only yourself, but from your guest as well. And uh, never would I think that uh, I would be one of those guests, not once, not twice, but now uh, three times. And so, uh, but yeah, the introduction is uh, completely on point. I've uh, served as a uh, middle school math teacher for uh, six years, coached varsity football, uh, middle school basketball. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, went into uh, the administrative role at Terry High School, where I wore uh, two hats, athletic director, along with uh, an AP as well. And so uh, then an opportunity came open uh, down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I accepted a job as an assistant principal here at Ocean Springs. And so uh, uh, looking forward to um, everything the next school year has to uh, bring. Um, learned a lot this past year, and so I'm uh, going to try to really sum it down into, into 10 big uh, takeaways. But, uh, but yes, sir, definitely an honor and a privilege to uh, to join you in this conversation today. Well, it's so exciting to see you too, DJ. And there you are on the coast, the Gulf Coast at Ocean Springs with your good tan now that you live right down there by the water. And <laughs> because I follow you on social media, I've also noticed if you wanted to share something that would surprise listeners to know about you, that you are a watch guy. Like every time I Absolutely. see you, what do you, <laughs> why don't you explain since listeners can't see what you're wearing today? Cause every time I see you, oh. you've got a, something pretty awesome on your wrist. Sure. Absolutely. I collect watches. I have man, roughly uh, 28, 29, almost one for every day of the month. And so uh, it's just kind of, we all have to have our, our own little thing. And I mean, my wife has, um, she's really into animals, and pets. We have all kinds of, you know, uh, different reptiles and dogs, 
things like that. And so, you know, us guys, some of us have our, our cars or other hobbies. And so uh, mine is watches. It's not a lot of things that, um, you know, that I see a lot of people that are into nowadays, just with the smart watches and everything like that. But um, it's just something about the joy of just uh, collecting and just even getting down to uh, the specifics of these little machines, you know, especially if they're not, you know, battery powered and just kind of really the art that goes behind um, watchmaking. And so uh, it's kind of started off when I was 16, when my grandma purchased me my first uh, fossil watch. And I think since then it's turned into probably an obsession if you follow me on instagram that's pretty much the only thing that i you know really post but um just something just to you know you join a community of other folks that enjoy the same hobby and uh, we all got to have a hobby and so uh, that is one thing that a lot of people don't know about me but um i do enjoy it keeps me busy um and i love it well at the end of the show today we will share your contact information DJ so make sure people know what that Instagram handle is and if I forget I'll put it in the show notes as well but I am so excited to talk to you about your second year in administration your reflections your lessons learned your takeaways to implement in your own in your journey but also for anyone who's listening in their journey for those who may be stepping into the principalship themselves or for some who have been in it who might be able to I know pull lessons from your own lessons too. So I'm going to switch the mic here and just ask you to walk through some things that you've learned this last year. And let's just start with lesson number one. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go and dive into it. Uh, lesson number one, develop two to three uh, personal yearly goals and uh, work streams. And, and this is one thing, uh, the most utilized app on my phone is without a doubt the notes app. I mean, just constantly taking notes, um, you know, even my handwritten notepad that I got always by my side. And um, this lesson really echoes the points of uh, forming goals that you had in episode 297 during that conversation with Daniel Barr. I mean, the entire time that I'm listening to it. I'm like, this is good stuff. And so uh, going back to even uh, Florence Nightingale's, you know, what's the greatest secret, right? And uh, which coincidentally I heard at one of the church sermons I listened to uh, just last Sunday. Um, but anyway, at the beginning of the year, um, each year, reflect on areas of your leadership and uh, what you would like to grow in. And uh, one thing that we're really uh, big in our district is that we just form work streams, you know, as a administrative team uh, to help us achieve those personal goals. And I mean, um, and, and we're transparent about it too. I've shared these goals with, uh, with teachers, um, obviously with my head principal and my team. And so, uh, but the thing about it is you can't just, you know, set these goals at the beginning of the year and let the busyness of the school year really distract you from, you know, your action plan, your steps to complete those goals. And so uh, just like what Daniel, you know, recommended is to uh, make sure you inspect what you expect, whether that's monthly or at the end of the first semester. And um, obviously if you're looking at it on a daily basis, it's, I think he made a, um, you know, a comparison to, you know, if you have like a money in the stock market, right. If you're looking on a daily basis. I mean, you could be, hey, happy one day, discouraged the next. So look at it, what it's going on long term. And so I'll uh, have those goals. And uh, hey, some of them you're going to complete, some of them you're going to halfway, you know, and then there's going to be some, well, hey, like this is going to be another growth goal that I need to continue to improve upon next year. Now you're a part uh, of a large, you're a part of a large administrative team at Ocean Springs, DJ. So give listeners a little bit of context of what that looks like. And then were these, 
something that each of you did, or was this just something that was on your own personal leadership path? Yes, sir. This is something that's actually modeled uh, by my head principal. He also has his own uh, work streams as well. And so, uh, so one thing that uh, we do, I mean, as a team is that he has weekly one-on-ones. Our school, our administrative team is comprised of four assistant principals along with our CTE director. And we also have an on-site school testing coordinator as well. And so, uh, so we definitely have a big team. Uh, Our school is roughly 1,900 students. I mean, the freshman and sophomore classes alone are over 500 and we're only growing. Uh, The senior class that just graduated was maybe around 415. And so, uh, so the school is getting bigger, but he, uh, you know, he makes an attempt each and every week to sit down with us during these one-on-ones and um, usually about once a month, we will go over these work streams and, Hey, how are we making, you know, progress towards them? And so uh, again, it goes back to, it's a cliche phrase, but inspect what you expect. Right. And so constantly going back, evaluating, if you need to change course, then change course. If something's working, then something's working. And so, um, you know, if you don't, you have to go back to the drawing board then you got to go back to the drawing board, but it's just that continuous um, growth mindset. And, um, and again, you know, that's modeled from the top down. And so um, we encourage our teachers, you know, to form their own goals uh, personally, you know, during the evaluative process as well. And so, um, and you remember your days in the classroom. I mean, we do the same with, with our students, just forming goals and finding strategies and an action plan to, uh, to meet and many times even overcome, you know, what we originally uh, put out there, you know, to the goal that we originally set to, to conquer. Well, that's kudos, kind of the, yeah. kudos to your leader and to your team. I mean, that's just amazing DJ, because when you've set those goals early, you guys pull together regularly. And I love that you included in that lesson and work streams. So develop two to three personal yearly goals and work streams. So not only are you developing those goals, but then you have built-in embedded times to review them and to track progress too. What's number two? Uh, Number two, evaluate each situation in its entirety. Uh, During my previous role, a large amount of my day was really dedicated to navigating, you know, the 6A, which at the time was the largest school classification in Mississippi. So navigating an athletic program as an AD through the COVID-19 pandemic, along with handling mostly disciplinary uh, problems. And so really like this um, lesson really started out, you know, last year, but it's also very, very important because I mean, just as all of your listeners can relate to, I mean, from the moment that you show up to campus to the moment that you can find go home, you're being pulled in so many different directions. And so there's an old saying that states that there's three sides to a story, mine, yours, and the truth, right? And so, um, and, you know, problems did arise back when I was an athletic director. However, those challenges that I was confronted with uh, during this school year really differed in many uh, ways. Um, and again, you know, we have many different challenges that we see every day. And due to the nature of the work that we do, it's very easy to follow or really it's really easy to allow that false sense of urgency that we experience to influence a decision that we're about to make. And so um, now obviously there's some cases, especially when it comes down to uh, student safety, where 
where, you know, quick decision has to be made in the heat of the moment. And um, we've had a couple of, you know, different situations like that, even this past year, where uh, we would have something happen and we would debrief and we would, you know, analyze, hey, what ways can we do it better? Matter of fact, that's our entire, you know, even when we do our monthly fire drills or lockdown drills, after every drill, the administrative team comes together. And since we have people positioned all throughout the building, we just, hey, what can we do to make this more efficient? the school more safer, what we can we do to do better? And so, uh, however, for everything else, it is critical that we get all of the information and that's the full story and all the facts before we can reach uh, really a thorough understanding of the matter at hand and make the best decision for uh, whoever and everybody may be involved. And that can relate to a student discipline or personnel uh, situation. You have to make sure you have all of the facts. So, so number two is evaluate each situation in its entirety. And I love that application, DJ, because that's not only safety situations, it can be instructional situations, it can be conflicts between personnel, it could be student and teacher relationships. And you and I both know that you're probably going to be facing something like this in in school leadership, not just every single day, but multiple times every single day. And so, as you said, there's three sides to every story, mine, yours, and the truth. So patiently listening so that you have as best the best understanding as possible because none of us is perfect. <laughs> the right. best yeah. understanding is possible before moving forward. Any other thoughts on that before we jump into number three? Yeah, I want to say that even um, it's one of the tips either in 197 or 253. You know, I mean, you have to you have to listen and you got to listen closely. And so um, never jump to conclusions, know the facts and hey, use that to, you know, base your decision moving forward. That's good stuff. All right. What's your lesson number three? Uh, Number three can really even play into uh, number two in a certain regard, you know, while you're, you know, gathering all the facts and you are looking at different, you know, uh, responses to a particular uh, issue. Um, I've always reached out to, you know, other veteran principals or my head principal or even somebody that might work at central office just to get more insight into a specific scenario. And so with this, number three, uh, form a relationship with a mentor principal and be deliberate and serving as a mentor yourself. Uh, When I was a first year teacher and football coach, I had an amazing mentor teacher at Madison Middle School named Shannon McKay, who really went above and beyond to see that I was successful in teaching a state-tested subject. And so that first year obviously came with many hard-learned lessons. However, it was only through really her dedication to set up literally a fail-proof support system for me that I was able to turn into the successful teacher that I became. And um, I mean, I was only 23. I mean, coaching football and I mean, she had over 27 years of experience, I want to say, when I started. And so, uh, so trust me, when she spoke, I was all ears. And so in, in administration, uh, you know, we sometimes are tasked with assigning mentor teachers to either first-year teachers or teachers who are new to our school. But many times, like the irony is that many administrators don't have our own mentor, a veteran principal who doesn't work in the same building. Uh, to go to when we're seeking guidance on a difficult topic. So, you know, whether you're 30 or 50 years old, if you're getting into administration, especially for the first time, uh, be intentional about seeking out that mentor principal who can serve in that capacity. And then um, on the same 
same side, you know, also be intentional about serving as a mentor yourself. I mean, you know, when you're in the classroom and you're a teacher, you know, you have that platform where students are looking up to you to be the leader and the influence that you have is, you know, truly indescribable. It's immeasurable. And when you step into that administrative role, um, you're still on a platform. And so you're a higher platform maybe, but your um, the potential that you have to influence others, you know, is is truly truly immeasurable. So don't don't take it for granted. Um, go out of your way, you know, to really whether it's a teacher who wants to grow into a leadership role in your school, or maybe even a teacher who wants to you know step into administration one day, or even a student who you know comes up to you and says, "Hey, you know, Mr. Klein, I want to be you know a teacher or a coach um, after college." And so, um, you know, as assistant principals, you know, we obviously desire to step into that lead uh, lead role one day. However, even in our position now we can continue to build up really that next great assistant principal and teachers leaders and so uh, the process never really truly stops but we do have to be intentional about it so i love that cycle dj and so that's such a great takeaway that forming mentorship relationships full circle because not only identifying the people who can continue to push you in your own growth but consistently recognizing who you're pushing and encouraging in their growth too. And it goes full circle. It's with students, it's with adults. And, uh, and it, it's something that continues. Even as you were explaining that lesson, I was just sitting here thinking in my own mind too about the people in my sphere of, of influence who I lean on to push and encourage and mentor me. And But it goes both ways. I mean, like you and I have been talking now, this is the third year that we visited specifically about leadership lessons and it's just so fun. One year, after, almost 365 days um, to the date from the last time that we've talked, but you, every single time we've talked, you've taught me things. And so it's just so, it's so encouraging that when you take the opportunity to, to invest and help someone else learn, you're inevitably going to learn yourself too. Absolutely. All right. What's your number four? Uh, number four is form school level committees to include a variety of stakeholders that all have a common goal. And that's ensuring that we get have all of our students that they get the most out of their educational experience. And uh, this is a lesson I have learned this year specifically. And I do have to give my head principal, uh, Braxton Stowe, a big shout out uh, for really spearheading this and uh, putting it into place and implementing it here. And uh, it's one thing that whenever, you know, God calls me into that lead uh, position one day that I want to implement in whatever future school, you know, I end up landing at. And so, um, and really this is applicable to really any level, uh, elementary, middle, high school, and really no matter the grade levels in your building, uh, as leaders, we really want to ensure again that our school is meeting the diverse needs of all of our students. I mean, as we get older, the culture is changing, um, you know, whether it be socioeconomically, uh, demographically, politically, it's a, it's a whole different world. And so um, we got to make sure that, again, we are meeting the needs of, of all of our students. And so at Ocean Springs High, we have uh, many committees that meet uh, monthly or even quarterly uh, with the lead principal and members of our administrative team. We're kind of divided up amongst the committees. Uh, for example, we have a student advisory you know, council. Uh, there's a parent advisory council. There's a guiding coalition council. 
school that's made up of a combination of parents, students, teachers, and administrators, along with a uh, teacher advisory council. And so I see many schools that might have one or the other, but, you know, the more that you have, you know, the better really idea, clear picture you have, uh, you can come away with for everybody's different experience when it comes to, you know, your school, because after all, perception is reality, right? And so the students might have this type of experience, and they vocalize it, and then you go to the parents, all right, well, hey, they might have the same opinion as the students, and then you go to the teacher, and you're getting different outlooks, and sometimes it's for the same exact, you know, uh, topic, maybe it's a new policy, or maybe it's something that we've always done, and procedure-wise, and nobody's really ever said anything about it. Like, well, why is that in place? And so uh, through those committees and through the feedback from all of these different stakeholders, we've had we've made really a lot of positive changes in our school. And so um, at the end of the day, they benefit, you know, who we're all here for, and that's our students. And so um, I go back to that quote, it takes a village to raise a child. So it's really best to include uh, everyone you can. You include the village in every pro- any decision-making process that you can. So I love that you gave uh, kudos to your head principal Braxton Stowe. And because man, you guys, what a great leadership model to ensure that everyone has a voice. And so principal matters listeners, let me just speak directly to you for just a moment. Cause if you're, if, if you're in that moment where you're like, you know, I really like ideas on tangible to do's takeaways nuts and bolts, things that I can be doing in my school to build voice and inclusion for everyone. You just got it. Um, so the, these, these ideas of creating things like student advisory councils, parent advisory councils, guiding coalition councils, teacher advisory council, they're not just good suggestions. This is where the collaboration happens right here. Because when you give voice to everyone in your school, an opportunity for them to have input, uh, I heard someone recently say, you don't easily tear down a fence you built yourself. And so when you give everyone the opportunity to build, they're not going to be as apt to want to tear something down. And so giving everyone a voice gives everyone the chance to say, hey, I helped build that. And so therefore I'm going to support it. So great job, DJ. Any other thoughts on that before you jump into number five? Yeah, that's, man, you're exactly right. I mean, that quote really sums up that point perfectly. Um, The more input that everybody has, you know, to the educational process and their own experience, I mean, not only will they, you know, buy into it, but they'll also take ownership of it as well. So awesome. What's your fifth lesson learned from this past year as a second year in school administration? Sure. Uh, it's just commit to reflective practices weekly. Uh, mm-hmm. Mentioned earlier on uh, when we first uh, began our conversation is that that note app that I use all the time has uh, really become my best friend. And so, because um, again, you know, every day is different when you're an administrator and there's fires to put out. You have problems that, you know, you are not blocked out on your calendar and, you know, something is going to, you know, pop up. And especially if you're first getting into it, um, you know, these are situations that you've never been through ever before. You know, um, me being in my second year, I mean, I have nowhere near the experience level as, you know, my mentor principal who, you know, retired after 20 plus years of being in administration. And so, uh, so especially when you're first uh, getting your foot in the door uh, from day one, 
uh, just take notes, take notes and learn. And I mean, as human beings, we generally learn through uh, two primary methods. It's either through our own experience or through somebody else's, right? And so, uh, so again, you utilizing that note app and just going into detail, like, hey, uh, this is the situation. This is how I handled it. And perhaps it was handled in a very you know, amazing and professional way. And I mean, if it does happen again, and it's really inevitable that it will, no matter, you know, what the problem it may be, then you learn from that experience. And maybe it was a uh, decision that was made and it could have been handled in a better, better method. Um, same thing still applies. Uh, you just learn and just continuing to grow and, um, and get better. And so, um, and I, I mentioned in, in the notes, you know, you're going to have those deja vu moments that you can draw back on, you know, the, those experience and then confidently move forward, you know, in the present time, you know, knowing that, you know, you're making the right decision and heading to, you know, the right direction and doing what's best for your students at the end of the day. So, Commit to reflective practices weekly. You're reminding me of one of my favorite quotes from the education author, Pete Hall, who said, experience is not the best teacher. Reflecting on experience is the best teacher. And so that's so good, DJ. If you're not taking time, Principal Matters listeners, if you're not taking time to reflect on your experiences, then you're really missing out on learning from those experiences. So what a great practice, DJ, to commit to weekly reflection. What have I learned? How can I apply it moving forward? And how do I make sure the next time that I'm applying what I reflected on? All right, number six. Number six, uh, it's more of a tool um, that I would recommend. Um, number six is maintain a later list as you uh, progress uh, throughout the year. And I would say that this is a very critical, um, especially if this is your first year, uh, whether it's your first year in administration completely or even your first year at a, uh, at a new school site. Uh, back in uh, the fall semester, uh, our entire administrative team uh, participated in, in, a, uh, in a workshop that was hosted by uh, Maya Heck Merlin. And uh, she is the CEO and founder of a group called the Together Leader. Um, and their whole concept is providing um, leaders really not only in education, but really whether it's the private sector or even a white collar occupation, uh, just with the tools, uh, especially when it comes down to organization to, uh, to be successful. And um, one of the many, many key takeaways that I had from that workshop is to establish a later list. And uh, all a later list is, is a list that a lot of Folks love to uh, block it out monthly. It's another note that I have on my app, right? And so all I have is just blocked out January, February on a monthly basis. And especially after this past uh, school year, you know, if something were to come up like, hey, you know, we're, we need to get this task done, but we're two months away from it. Well, okay, listen, let me put it on my later list. So once the time comes, I could refer to that and say, hey, this needs to be done because the worst thing, you know, as a leader is to have something get lost in the shuffle, right? Uh, either again, it's just due to, you know, the, the demands of the job or whatever. It's, uh, it's very easy to do that. And so uh, by implementing that list, and especially if you're new to a school or new to administration, as you go through the, the school year, and something comes up that you know this is going to be something we're going to have to do on an annual basis year in and year out 
um, I would write it down. Um, it's just like, you know, in January, you know, you start thinking about next year, like these are the steps we have to take to go ahead and get the, uh, the scheduling process done, running the numbers. I mean, so on and so forth. And so, uh, so having that later list um, in your pocket just to serve as a constant reminder uh, so you could always stay uh, one step ahead of your next task. So more of a tool nonetheless, but it is a tool that has really helped me out a lot. So. So Principal Matters listeners, I can put a link to that book in the show notes too. Thank you so much, DJ, for mentioning that. The Together Leader, Get Organized for Your Success and Sanity by Maya Hayek Merlin. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, What a great takeaway, DJ, using the tool of the later list. Because you and I both know every single day there's something that has to be put on the later list. And you have to decide what is both urgent and important in this situation that I'm dealing with and what may be important or what may be something that is not necessarily urgent or important, but it's certainly something that's a priority that I need to be able to look at later too. And so, and if you haven't put that on your list, someone else will offer you something that day that you can definitely put on that list too. And so it is definitely an ongoing list. So we've, we've made it through six lessons you've learned from this past year and we've got three more and they're just as valuable. I can't wait to hear all of them. But let's jump into lesson number seven. Absolutely. Lesson number seven is uh, embrace your role as a lead learner. And uh, this goes back to uh, really points seven and, uh, and 10. Uh, our assistant superintendent, uh, Dr. Chris Williams, um, hosted a book study for all of the assistant principals uh, this year. And it was based on the book. And I've put a link for it in the, in the notes uh, entitled The Principal Three Keys to Maximizing Impact uh, by Michael Follum. And so, uh, so seven is embrace your role as a lead learner. And um, it always reminds me of um, Oklahoma. He's a uh, pastor out there, Craig Rochelle, and, uh, and he hosts a great leadership podcast. We'll definitely recommend it. And he states constantly that, you know, when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. And uh, promoting a positive culture of uh, growth, goal setting, accountability, rewards uh, between teachers and students is an everyday mission, you know, for us as school leaders. However, you know, we have to see ourselves personally as a lead learner who works collaboratively, you know, with our teachers in our daily walk to help those students reach their full potential. And in Vivian Robinson's book, Student-Centered Leadership, published in 2011, uh, she identifies five domains that hold significant effect on student achievement, being establishing goals and expectations, uh, resourcing strategically, ensuring quality teaching, uh, leading uh, teacher learning and development, and ensuring an orderly and safe environment. All five are very important. But Robinson explains that the most significant of these in these domains is leading teacher learning, which is being proactively involved with your teachers. And so really the principal who only covers areas such as establishing a vision, you know, you're acquiring resources, you know, you're working to help uh, teachers individually and other similar activities uh, doesn't necessarily, you know, learn what is specifically needed uh, to stimulate ongoing organizational improvement. And so uh, we really have to be intentional about you know, uh, making teacher learning and also making our own learning a uh, priority. And so for the domain of teacher learning and development, uh, Robinson goes on and she found two critical factors. Number one, the ability of the principal to make progress a collective endeavor and two, skills for leading professional learning. And both of these factors require to 
you know, us as school leaders to be present as that lead learner. Wow. Okay. I want to pause here for just a moment because there's so many important things that you said there. And I'm just going to encourage principal managers listeners, if there's any part of this entire conversation that you want to go back and rewind, listen to that again before you start a new school year. Because embracing our roles as lead learners means that we're placing ourselves in the position of learners, ourselves in positions as learners, which means we have to stay curious, which means that all of the things that happen in a learning cycle, establishing goals, resourcing, ensuring quality learning and teaching, development of teaching, ensuring an orderly and safe environment for learning, Everything that works in the classroom also works school-wide, but it also works internally. We have to develop those skills as leaders ourselves if we're going to see ourselves continue to grow as leaders and inspire others to lead as well. I heard someone earlier today, DJ, talking about creativity, and he said, this was a a professional musician, and I just grabbed this quote. It was on the radio, and I thought, oh, I'm going to try to hold on to that. But he said, creative adults are just children who survived. And I thought that's so good because the curious learner who stays curious and learning as they get older means they're the ones who held on to that childlike inspiration and passion that all of us had as little kids. And for those of us that still have it, that means we survived. And so if we're going to lead that kind of curiosity and that kind of wonder and that kind of cycle within our kiddos and our and within even modeling it for teachers, then we have to maintain that cycle ourselves. So that is such an important lesson. Embrace your own role as the lead learner. Any other thoughts on that before we move forward? Uh, no, that's that's perfect. Uh, again, it just it goes down to, to leading by example and our discussions on growth and and having goals, I mean, that's what life is all about. Uh, we expect our, you know, our students to, to learn, be self-reflective, you know, as learners. And so um, why stop there? I mean, you have to model that from, you know, the top down. So, All right. Lesson number eight in your experience as an admin. Uh, lesson number eight is know how to leverage data and be familiar with how it impacts uh, your school state accountability rating. And so one of the mm-hmm. learning curves that I myself really had this year uh, was really learning how the high school accountability system works. Uh, just, you know, my previous uh, experience just working, you know, on the, on the middle school level, it's quite familiar with, um, you know, with that system, um, you know, going into obviously the sports world and dealing with the pandemic. So when I came down here to the high school, uh, that was one of the really the top things on my list, um, just considering the math department is under my advisory, uh, was really learning how, you know, these state tested subjects factor into the model for, you know, our, our school's rating. And so it does vary, you know, from state to state, but I would encourage anyone who's, you know, stepping into uh, administration, particularly if you're not, you know, if you didn't serve as a teacher on that level, perhaps, you know, if you're a high school teacher going to serve on the elementary level or middle certain uh, just familiarize yourself and be intentional uh, just with each parameter, each individual uh, stat that goes into your school's rating. And so um, and be familiar with the data that's behind it, because uh, whenever you dive into that data, uh, you discover patterns and areas for growth uh, that not, can not only you know, improve your school on you know, an holistic level, but also for individual students as well. So 
Well, and you guys have been doing that in very practical ways this past school year too, which I think is going to be maybe something you're getting ready to jump into in just a moment, but leveraging your data for its impact, not just leveraging data, but leveraging your data for its impact on accountability. I love that DJ. All right. Lesson number nine. Lesson number nine is be visible outside of school. Um, Sounds very simple, but it's one thing that we really have to be intentional about. Um, And really it's again, applicable to all three levels, uh, but really primarily your middle school and high school, you know, students who are really starting to, you know, branch out, you know, into their individual uh, hobbies or their pastimes, whether that's the the arts or perhaps it's an academic club or, or sports and um, I put in my notes, you know, as administrators, we wear several hats, right? And, you know, in Mississippi, other states, I mean, athletic events, most after school events, they require a member of the school's administrative team to be present to ensure that the event is just running smoothly and safely. And so uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, our school almost has 1,900 students, you know, and we're in a small coastal town of about 18,000 people. So uh, there's definitely something always going on when it comes to our high school and middle school, especially. Uh, but during our weekly admin meetings, uh, we make an effort to go over uh, all the events that we can. Uh, you know, we utilize the, the Google calendars and we literally have a calendar for almost everything. And so when you could sync them all up on your master calendar, you really get an idea of everything that's uh, that's going on. It's kind of like a uh, like a cruise ship, right? There's something going on at every hour of the day, it feels like. Uh, so however, you know, during these meetings, we, um, you know, we sit down and we um, we go over all these events and um, and we make an intentional effort to you know sign up just to go to one and this isn't necessarily one that you know we have to have a game administrator on duty many times there's already somebody assigned to that already but it's actually going there um, and just to show you know support to uh, the students that are, you know, behind um, those amazing events. And uh, even here at the high school, we have an amazing theater department and they put on several great shows uh, that I've been intentional and just, I bring the whole family to them. And um, the next day, just to see these uh, theater students when they come in, whether it's in the hallway or morning duty and just talk about you know, the performance with them and just see the, uh, just the, the light in their eyes, like, hey, like Principal Klein was, you know, he was there and I mean, he, he enjoyed it. You know, that's how I want to tell them about, you know, hey, like the struggle and, you know, the, um, the dedication and the hard work that went into that. And so, um, and that really bleeds through, and whether it's even an art department, um, having an open gallery uh, twice a year at a local restaurant, we also have signing days for, uh, for the arts, for JROTC and for our athletes as well. And there's so many celebrations throughout the year. And so it does take time, but when you plug into our students' lives outside of just the everyday bell-to-bell schedule and student discipline, uh, you, you get a chance to form these relationships that you normally you know, would not. And you get an opportunity to see how gifted and special uh, your students really are. I mean, not only the students, but you're also developing you know, relationships with you know, the parents that are in attendance as well, or even you know, maybe it was a teacher that's outside of your advisory you know, that you normally wouldn't communicate with, but seeing the effort and work that they put into it to help those students, you know, um, be successful in whatever field that, whatever event that they're putting on uh, is truly a 
reminder of just how you know amazing our role really is so uh so just be visible be visible and support so dj i'm going to make a connection between your number eight and your number nine that may not be obvious at first glance but i, I just think this is such an important truth that is um that needs to be connected here so number eight you're talking about leveraging data for the impact on your accountability and number nine, you've really focused on the power of your visibility and connection with those things that are most meaningful to kids, those events, those hobbies, those sports, those fine arts productions, all those things, your JROTC kids. And here's the reality. When your leadership priorities encourage those things kids love to do, and you and I both know this, you can look, especially with your background as an athletic director, you already know this the higher commitment that kids have to extracurricular activities, the higher their achievements academically. They, oh, just, go, they, they just go hand in hand. And so mm-hmm. if you want to see the data on your student scores, and if you want to see growth and the impact that you're having on accountability measures for student academic outcomes, then encourage the work that they're doing at extracurricular events and fine arts and the fun parts of school that, that really push them in ways that are right-brained as well as left-brained. With, with, so I, I just love that connection because those are not um, juxtaposed against each other. Those are two sides of the same coin. And so, um, and so, so that's so fantastic. Any other thoughts before we jump into lesson 10? Well, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the connection that these two have and really how one is, you know, uh, very often dependent on the other. I mean, uh, you know, as educators, we have the saying, like, you know, we teaching to the whole child, right? And so um, that's another thing, especially with, you know, point number eight is, you know, knowing knowing your data, but also knowing how it affects, you know, individual students. And so uh, so you get to know, um, you know, your students, not only about, you know, hey, this is their you know, ability in the classroom, this is what they're excelling with, or perhaps this is what they're struggling with, but also, you know, just being involved in their extracurricular activities as well. You really get to get a clearer picture of who that child is. And most importantly, you know, that child is also going to know that you care and that you're in in your corner. So, hey, if a time comes that maybe you have a, a discipline infraction or you need to have a tough conversation with that child or even the parent, you already have that foundation of that positive relationship that's already built. And so um, point number 10, last one. Uh, going back to uh, Michael Fullan's book, uh, The Principle, Three Keys to Maximizing Impact, uh, point number 10, um, the second key out of the three is being a district and system player. And so uh, he emphasizes that educational leaders uh, can see great potential for schools to grow, you know, uh, when they pair up with other like schools, whether it's a feeder school uh, to compare practices or you're partnering with other principals, visiting other school sites, coordinating uh, PD opportunities you know, such as vertical alignment uh, with teachers, but all of this can really reap great benefits in the long run. And so uh, on top of the book study that I mentioned, 
Uh, we also have a variety of committees uh, in our district that's made up of administrators from all of our schools along the central office. Uh, personally, uh, the pleasure of serving just on our policy committee. And on that committee, we have our HR director, our communications director, a school testing coordinator, five assistant principals, and a lead principal from various grade levels and buildings uh, in the district. And we meet on a monthly basis. And so uh, I've learned a great deal about you know, the process of implementing new policies along with uh, revisiting current ones and seeing how they impact our district, not only on a macro, but a micro level as well. And so um, on top of that, um, had the opportunity this year to shadow uh, two amazing assistant principals um, in our district, the Dell Register and the Kaylin Cooper, who uh, work at our upper elementary and our middle school. And uh, I'm discovering they're also over um, the math math department in their schools as well. It's in their advisory. And so, um, so jumping in and just seeing, you know, how their departments operate has given me a better understanding uh, of really what our students go through, you know, before they get to the high school level. And even just through those, you know, uh, taking, you know, just a day or a, or a half day just to uh, really just hang out and shadow and, and just take notes, uh, came away with several ideas and, and takeaways that uh, I've already started to include, you know, in my own leadership, um, you know, practice here at the high school. And so, uh, so be a district and system player. Wow. Okay. I'm going to stop there for a moment too, and just say this principal matters listeners. Cause I think one of the most important takeaways from being a team player district and system wide is get out of your building and go see what other people are doing. And that's so hard because you have so many responsibilities as it is right now where you serve, but it just works, DJ. Some of the best PD I ever did with my teacher teams was to take them to other buildings and visit other teams that were performing at high levels and just pick their brains and ask questions and get some subs to cover their classes. And I know during the pandemic, that was almost impossible to get that kind of coverage. And it may be difficult going into this next year, but in whatever capacity you can, just like you did, figure out a way to get into some other people's workspaces and probe and ask and reflect because you're always going to come back with better lessons. Well, DJ Klein, 10 takeaways from your second year in school administration. And I'm just going to review all 10 for Principal Matters listeners. One, develop goals and work streams. Two, evaluate situations in their entirety. Three, form mentor relationships. Four, ensure everyone has a voice. Five, commit to reflection practices. Six, maintain later lists. Seven, embrace your role as a lead learner. Eight, leverage data and its impact on accountability. Nine, be visible and encourage school activities. And number 10, be a team player district and system wide. DJ, this is the best PD I've had in such a long time. Thank you so much for giving me this in principal matters listeners, the opportunity to just reflect on your past year and, and to connect practice to outcome because, you know, I could read books all summer long and I will be reading books. And so have you, you've read several that uh, you've referred to, and we might have to do a bonus conversation on some of these other books that you've mentioned, but but man, this is this is where the rubber meets the road. Putting these practices, um, in putting these ideas into practice. So let's remind Principal Banders listeners: How can they stay connected with you if they want to see your cool watch on Instagram? What's your social media connection? What's your email address? 
DJ, yeah. how can they find your school? So fill us in on, on how to stay, how Principal Matters listeners can connect with you. Hey, absolutely. Uh, I could be reached via email. Uh, you can reach me. My personal email is my first initial last name. It is D-K-L-E-I-N-412 at gmail.com. And my Instagram handle is literally the same thing, just without the at gmail.com. It's at D-K-L-E-I-N-412. And no secret, I have a watch as my Instagram profile picture. But um, if you wish to connect via Facebook, it's just facebook.com backslash DJ Klein one. Well, DJ Klein, thank you so much for taking time to share your lessons learned after your second year as an assistant principal, principal managed listeners, if you want to go back and listen to the first two times that we've had conversations in the series, you can find DJ at Principal Matters Podcast, episode 197 and episode 253. And now for the last of the 200 series, episode 299. And this may be part one and part two in these conversations. So you might be listening to him as 301 as well, depending oh. on where we, depending on where we put this in, because we have the big 300 coming up here and uh, right. so you, you might get to be the, uh, the, the before and the after uh, conversation that we have around, around that series. But DJ, thank you so much. Thank you for doing what matters. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Will. It's been a privilege to talk to you today. Thank you. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.